Welcome to One Step Better, the podcast from Works. We're tackling topics to give you insight on a practical level to help your employees thrive in your organization and to help you become one step better every day towards being the leader that you want to be. Now, let's kick it over to the Works team. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the One Step Better podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, and today we have in our offices, we have both Matt Patrick and Shelby Betts, who you've heard from before. Um, Today, we're going to talk about something that is facing every small business owner, especially in today's environment, that is change. Uh, You know, change is is always going to be happening in, in every realm of your life on an ongoing basis. And sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes it's easy. Uh, Different people have different approaches to change. Some people don't realize the need for change. So we're just going to try to unpack what it looks like to lead a a business, a small business through change in a variety of ways. And so I wanted to bring in both Matt and Shelby for this conversation because there's always a couple of different perspectives when it comes to change. There's always that that leadership, you know, the the person that's doing the change or maybe implementing the change or has the vision for the change that's going to have a different directive and understanding of what's happening than the person that's going to be impacted the most for the change. And so Matt is uh, owner, founder, president of Patrick Accounting and Works. Shelby Betts is uh, on our leadership team. Uh, she's our uh, a member of our sales team and uh, leads those efforts. And so I think it's a, a great opportunity to bring these two guys, or guy and girl, I should say specifically, uh, into this conversation and get their perspective. And so, Matt, I want to start with you. Um, I want to know, whenever you see an opportunity for change, really it's an opportunity to do something better normally because people don't typically change to do something worse. But when you see that opportunity on the horizon of I'm going to do something different, what's going through your mind? mind at that point in time to to start that process of doing something different? Uh, well, a couple things. There's usually two different versions of that is there's the, I have to, I'm forced to change or I'm just not satisfied with how we're doing things now, or I still think there may be a better way. The short-term answer of I have to change becomes a lot easier. Everybody understands maybe why. The longer term vision of, I don't think we're doing this better, that's the harder change I think on the team. You know, my job as a leader is to kind of look out a little bit farther than just today and also looking at other opportunities. So it could be, you know, how we're interacting with clients or the software technology that we're using or the process we're doing or the teammates we have now versus what I think we need to do going forward. So those those are really kind of some of the reasoning behind the changes. If it's a short-term change, it becomes very, you know, if it's a, we have a problem we have to fix, so let's change it. Those are pretty easy to get my team on board on, but it's the the ones where we're like, hmm, this is, there's gotta be a better way than we're doing this. Or I wonder if there's any new technology other that lets us do this even easier. So that's kind of a little different answer. Shelby, when you get the little snippets of conversation around the office, are you here through the grapevine? Oh goodness, something this is, is coming up, something's about to change. What's going through your mind whenever that, that conversation starts to happen? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we all get very comfortable in the way that we do things. And even if it's not like the most efficient, or the best way to do things. Uh, We get a little bit scared when we hear about change. It's just that kind of first uh, thought that pops into my mind is, oh gosh, how is this going to affect my day to day? You know, and so you hear something that's going out and you think like, well, what if it doesn't work? What if it's like not effective? How much training is going to be involved for me and my team? And how are we going to, you know, push down everything that needs to be communicated, both from a how to do it and the why we're doing it uh, down to key, you know, team members that gets a little bit scary. So I think probably that initial feeling is that that one of like, oh man, I've got, I've got to learn something new we all here like change uh you know if you look at the disc profile we're all high d's um, uh, the three of us the three of us not right? everybody not every, no, goodness gracious, no. <laughs> but uh, the three of us change is not a scary situation 
uh, it's sometimes exciting and enjoyable and it's a challenge to overcome. More exciting than scary typically. More, yeah, normally. Yeah, me too. Like, and that, that's, thank God over all Ds. But that's not a way it is on the whole <laughs> Let's do it. We're sure. in. And everyone else is like, whoa, wait, wait, what's Almost the plan? Almost everybody else in our office has very little or maybe moderate level of D. They're all SCs, you know, cautious people in, in a good way. I don't mean that in any type There's of negative no way. Bad we'll, disc, right? we'll have another podcast to talk about disc and personality type and all that type of stuff. But we all lead a team of people who aren't as quick to change or or um, they don't desire change the same way. So Matt, from your perspective as, as the overall leader of our organization, how do you communicate this is going to be different in a way that is exciting to you, but in a way that they hear and it's just like, Oh my goodness, what's going on? This is not a strength of mine. And I, and I will be the first to admit this is not one of my strengths. I look at change so positively. And so I'm the eternal optimist when it comes to change. It's going to be perfect. It's, everything's going to work out great. Um, there's definitely no, everybody's right on board right away. Training's going to be easy. I always think of it as it'll be so simple. And yet I see and hear all the disgruntledness of the team sometimes if it doesn't go smoothly. But also as we do it, it's the reassurance that, hey, if this doesn't work, I'm perfectly fine throwing that idea away and trying something else works is that even that even scares them even worse. So over the years, I've gotten a little better at it, but it's still not one of my strengths by any means. But it is something we have to do. You have to think through everybody on your team and the impact that it has. And so you as a leader who may be a high D personality or quick to change, you probably should think through that a little bit more, not from the ability to change it, but how you're going to implement it, I think is the is the harder part. And um, it is definitely something that's not one of my strengths. That's why I have really good teammates. You know, some of our uh, core values for hiring is uh, we try to find people that are hungry, humble, and smart. And I think something that you emulate well as a leader is um, the humble side. And so if we come to you, you've said, hey, this there's this great, awesome idea that's going to you know change everybody's world from a workflow perspective. Um, if we ever were to approach you and say, hey, we're 30 days in and this is not helping us, or we're 60 days in and we're not helping us, you're extremely quick to say, I thought it was going to work out. Let's move in a different direction. And so I do think it takes some humility as a leader to not get super invested in your decision of, I think this is going to help us. We're not sure. So that's something that is is great to have as a leader to be willing to say, I know we need to change, but then also if you don't find the best solution the first this time, may not be it. right. Instead of, you know, spending two or three years in a bad situation, you're willing to pivot very quickly, which is short-term loss, long-term gain is right. kind of what I look at a lot of times. And um, if we're going through change, it may be a short term. You may take a step or two back as you're going through that. Um, but you also really quickly find, you know what? I thought it was going to be the answer. This is not still what I thought it was going to be. Let's cut it loose now and go on and try to find something that's still better out there. We've done that a lot over the years. The downside of that for... It's expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. One of the downsides of that is that... Uh, it's easy for some people to see that as, yeah, you know what, we made a, a good college try and it just didn't work out, so we're going to try the next thing. That's not how everybody sees it, though, because some people see it as, oh, goodness gracious, this is Matt going on another tangent that's going to fall through. And, be, and especially if you're that high C personality where you're very detail-oriented and always thinking through how, 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 they see that as, oh, goodness, Matt is not a good leader because he didn't think through all of these possible situations in which this is I'm going to fail. I'm shaking my head, yes, yeah. a lot over here. Um, <laughs> When you're when you're when you're implementing change and you're announcing that vision, you have to be very mindful of the people in the room and communicate in a way that is anticipating their feelings, not in a I'm going to coddle you and we're all about feelings type of way, but in a in order for me as a leader to get my point across in the most effective way possible, I have to be mindful that people are going to hear what I'm saying in a different tone with a different intention yes. than what I really mean. Yeah, 
I think it starts with education of we are, I think it's okay to say we're going to try this. If it doesn't work out, we may throw it away, but we're all going to progress with the full speed ahead that we think we're going to get this done. They still don't like that answer sometimes, or they'll, the other fun thing that's always fun when you go out socially and they'll throw them back in your face afterwards, but, um, you know, remember that that time? You know, that never (laughs) happens every single time we go out to drink. Um, but yeah, so that is something that is conscious when we are implementing some changes or looking at technology. It's important that we realistically probably keep that in a test grouping or a guinea pig group for a little longer than we'd want to so that when we are ready to fully implement it it's ready to go and it's kind of embedded better but at the same time it is super important that you're communicating overly communicating why well going back to why a lot but you know the the why of you're doing this and the the reason for the long-term vision and make sure that vision is kind of so clear may make that change a little easier for people so we implemented a rule here that has been super helpful and it's it's honestly changed the landscape of some of these conversations with our team it's one thing to dream out loud and and think through, man, what would it look like if, and those are healthy exercises to go through. Our, what what we implemented, our rule was when Matt starts to do that, he must say up front, I'm just thinking thinking out loud. loud. Because what we had a lot of times was, you know, Leaders are normally visionaries. They are looking towards the future. How are we going to get there? I want to get there. This is what we're going to look like. And our team was thinking, oh, we're about to go in 18 different directions uh, 24-7. And that wasn't the intention ever. It was just simply to say, this would be kind of cool. Yeah. And so it is, I've had that happen a lot where I've had a conversation where I haven't prefaced it with, hey, I'm thinking out loud here. And I've had a staff or a, a team member just go and run with it. I'm like, whoa, 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 we're... 10 steps behind that. We're not ready to go there yet. It was just a thought. And it was, we did it in a leadership meeting and it came out, you know, one of the things we did was like, I don't like, we basically did an exercise of what I don't like it when you do this. And I do like it when you do this. And it become, a, it's important that you think, you tell us when you're thinking out loud. And that really became apparent to me that, oh, I think out loud a lot. I think um, it's how I brainstorm. I'm a very uh, audible uh, thinker. And so it became a, a, a way for me to realize, oh, I'm not clear on my vision with these people if I'm not telling them that this is still just a brainstorming idea, not a, we're going ahead, let's go. And you brought up you brought up a good point there because you had some people that were taking this dreaming out loud they idea it. and they're running with it. I'm finding ways to implement it. We're moving that direction. By next week, this is going to be fully formed idea that has an action plan behind it. And you had other people thinking, I think I need to look for another job Correct. because this is just too much. I can't handle this anymore. Every time you speak as a leader, every time the people in the room are going to listen because you're the leader a lot of time. Well, yeah, most they of the listen time. to most they, they of listen. Time. They, they listen. They'll tune me out sometimes. They're going to the hear what they hear based on their personality types and, and what how they're structured, not your intentions. I, I don't remember who said it, but um, I always find a, a useful quote. It was, we judge ourselves by our intentions and we judge others by their actions. Everybody that is ever going to be in a leader, leadership position have to understand that the people that they're leading are going to respond differently to the words and actions that they have. Correct. Everybody brings their own perspective to yeah. the conversation and you don't always realize what that perspective is. And, you know, as a leader, it is important. Your energy level as a leader comes to the office every day. Your stress level, your fears, your, you have to, this sounds so bad, but you have to kind of make sure you're aware of those things that you have in your in your mind and, and kind of put them underneath the table, underneath everything. Because when you show that stress with your team, your teammates going to see it. Same way with communications. If you're not 
clearly communicating where you're going or what everything you're saying out loud is, you have a potential for them to take whatever you're saying or how you're feeling and they absorb it. So those things are very important uh, for you to realize as a leader. Shelby, you, uh, you know, have, you, you're in a position where you have to take some of these ideas and run with it sometimes. As that second chair leader uh, that operates under the umbrella of the vision, mission, goals of our organization as a whole, whenever you hear that change is about to happen, what are, what are some of those first steps that you need to do in your role as the implementer of some of those different things that are coming down the pipe to make sure it's successful in your area? Yeah, I think the first, uh, you know, what's critical is if you're any type of um, leadership position, whether you're, you know, a C-suite leader or you're just trying to execute the mission, vision, and values of your team, um, you need to understand the vision of the goal and then be positive towards that. And so I think, um, you know, when we hear, hey, we, we have some new changes and we need to adapt to this new technology, well, I have other people on my team that are not as adept to change as I am. And so I enjoy change. I like, you know, I like solving problems and putting together puzzles. And so if I think, hey, this is the missing piece that's going to solve the puzzle. I'm all in. Um, and some of my teammates may not be. And so I think one of the first things that's critical to do is is to be positive about that vision and then um, to help get your team aligned to persuade them in the way that they need to be persuaded. And, you know, that can look like whatever it needs to do. But if you have influencers that are going, if you've got one person on your team that um, is a super positive person um, and they get extremely negative and critical about this one change that's coming or, a, you know, a step in a process, you have to be willing to have that conversation with that person and recognize how it affects the, your entire team just to say, you know, hey, like, you know, I, I love, you know, you're positively typically, um, but being negative about this is not going to be helpful. So if you have a problem, let's let's talk about the problem, but let's not, you know, let the whole get the whole team kind of in this negative spirit. And so I think one thing is just being willing to communicate uh, the values of your leaders. Um, and then when there's problems, being willing to address those very quickly with your teammates, um, because you want to get everybody on board and moving in the right direction. Um, with a team, you know, as, as small and, and agile as ours, um, one, you know, key player that's not committed uh, could change um, our pace and how quickly we achieve our goals. And so we have to get those team members on board. And when they're not on board, we've got to find out very quickly why. And so just, I think, being willing to understand the vision and then being willing to have the sometimes difficult conversations as they come up. Let's talk about that for a little bit, because one specific area that every small business deals with in, in the change arena is employee turnover, whether you're bringing somebody on or you're happily letting somebody exit. <laughs> Wanting them to be happy somewhere else is yeah, good. Letting them, yeah, let, letting them go find happiness somewhere else is a good way to put it. That's a that's a big area of change, especially if, you know, if the smaller your organization, the smaller your department or business unit, whatever that is, the smaller that is, the, the greater impact that a single person makes. So Matt, whenever you're thinking about bringing somebody on, how do I bring an employee into my organization that's going to affect change in a, sometimes a big way? How do I do that in a way that is positive, encouraging to everybody else around me? I think it starts with making sure you do have your clear um, vision and values and you know why you're looking to hire somebody, but also their values can help you dictate the type of people you're looking to find. You know, luckily we've we've talked about values before. Um, you know, those values are a guiding light towards our recruiting efforts. And so, you know, one of our values is challenging it. So if they're going to have a difficulty changing or speaking up or having a hard time kind of looking through better ways, they, they may not, that may be not a value that that we, we find out in recruiting that we we feel like that's a weakness of theirs. We either have to determine if that's going to be something we're going to overcome or that's something that 
that person's probably not a fit for our team. So I think it starts with really having a clear understanding of, you know, where your where your values align with this person that you're hiring. Your team also knows, you know, why we're looking to add teammates is because, you know, we as an organization are looking to grow, but that also becomes, a, well, we have different hats for people to wear, or we have weaknesses on our team that we need to kind of overcome, or we have too much on one person or whatever that may be. So, but having that aligned with your values is kind of where it starts from for me. Growth is, is one of the things that you mentioned there. Growth is a big area of change. Uh-huh. Uh, especially as an organization grows up, there's just different layers of leadership in place. There's different layers of product lines in place. There's different layers of policies. Growth is a big area that affects people in in a lot of different ways. As businesses are are out there looking at growing or currently in a growth phase, what are some of the big areas of change that they really need to be mindful of and that they need to look out for ahead of time so they can be proactive in their approach? To handling it you know it starts with me was i always go back to like the e-myth where in the very beginning in the e-myth book uh, by michael gerber basically starts with the idea that it's a bakery right and the and the, and the person who's starting the the bakery is the baker and then they are managing other bakers and then they're owning a bakery those are three different hats that the owner is wearing and in the very beginning you may wear all three of those hats all the all the time and you know when i started off this firm it was very much i was the tax preparer and the accounting preparer and the payroll preparer and the administrator person and the janitory. I had all the hats. And over time, you know, my role with my clients has changed. My role with my employees on the team have changed. I used to work one-on-one with a lot of the staff accounts and now I don't do that as much just because I have a team around me helping me support our whole organization. So it is important that we kind of think through your role as the owner, as you're going through those changes, is knowing what hat you're wearing when and when it makes sense to maybe take, hat off. take some of those hats off and, and add people to, to to help you. I I find that you know sometimes the business owners are very aware of when those hats need to be removed. They're self-aware enough to know I can't continue doing this. But there's also a lot of times where that second chair leader, the person that is on the on the bottom side looking up, saying I that. You do need do not need to be doing that anymore. Shelby, as a second chair leader, how do you tactfully approach your leader, your owner in a lot of times and say, hey, you know what? This is something you're really good at, but I don't think you need to be doing it anymore. Yeah, that's a tough question. You know, you never want to um, irritate the guy that writes your paycheck. You know, um, I think in a small business, even in a mid-sized business, you know, you have to navigate relationships carefully. And so I think tackling those conversations, like you mentioned, just tactfully, I think um, just recognizing if you don't have a good relationship, a good working relationship, you need to do some steps of building rapport and, and creating trust. And so your leaders need to know that you're reliable and that they can trust you. And I think that once you've started building that bridge, then you can carefully just, you know, say, hey, there's this thing that, you know, I see you doing. I don't know how healthy it is. And if they take your... If you want to take any work from me, you can do it anytime. You know, but exactly. true, I think a part of it is if they listen, that's fantastic. And if at the end of the day, it really is their business. And so there's... You have to just tread that line very carefully, understanding that you may have the conversation once and they said no. Um, and then maybe in three months, you bring it up again. And so I think being willing to... Um, slowly and surely persuade somebody to the right direction. It's so weird to think of this as from your perspective versus mine. I have the guilt of going, I don't want them to take on more work of my work that I should be doing. I've already removed so much from my plate that I'm like, I'm happy to do this. I'm helping the team. And Mike, you've done this a lot to me going, Hey, you're doing something you should not be doing. I'm going, I'm just trying to help. He's like, they didn't ask for help. You jumped in before they asked. I never even thought of it that way. We actually talked about this this week. I never even thought about it that way. I'm just trying to help. And and that's somewhat of my own nature. I'm just a helper by nature. But at the same time going, I really don't think of it from your perspective or, my, or your mic from your perspective. Yeah. It's just different. This is one of those big, in my opinion, one of the biggest areas that is not talked about 
in uh, in a lot of leadership circles or leadership books is, is the dichotomy between first chair and second chair leader. The first chair leader is responsible for a lot of areas and the second chair leader is responsible for a lot of areas underneath that. But the most effective second chair leaders know when to go outside of that first chair umbrella to pick up areas that are being dropped or haven't been thought about in a way that is overall going to make the organization more effective. It's a scary place to be as a, as a second chair leader, just to simply, I'm going to go do X, Y, Z, or, or even when I need to go to my owner or my leader and say, you're not performing here. You're not like, I have to hold my, my first chair lead, the person that signs my check accountable in the same way that I, I need to, super to do my it. accountable. You've done that team, to me yeah. and I've, and, and you've taken me aside and go, Hey, this is not clear. You haven't been communicating. You need to, and I super appreciate that. I mean, Mike and I have a great relationship in that I know I trust Mike a hundred percent and I know that he has my, our, our firm's best interest at heart. And I've always taken those things. I think I have anyway, at least sure. I feel I have with the position of, Oh, I need a person beside me helping me. That's why I have Mike and I have Shelby and everyone on our team. But I mean, like, I really have appreciated that. And it's, it is hard to find that as a business owner, you don't always have that. And sometimes you'll, you may have to look outside your organization for it. There's business coaches out there that do that. There are, and that's how I did in the beginning before I had a mic, I had a business coach and it would be the sounding board. I also have other firms that we kind of use as my um, accountability group. But that accountability is huge as an owner. If, if you're not doing what you should be doing, you may not always see it. I mean, I'm, I have a, many weaknesses. I have many strengths, but I have many weaknesses when it comes to running a business. I've never done this before before I had this one. I think it's important to know. Um, Let's list out those weaknesses. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> you don't have a big enough piece of paper, Mike. But yeah, I think it's super important uh, for those, for your team, your leaders, to hold all the leaders accountable, including, you know, if I'm the first chair leader. It goes you, both ways. It absolutely has to be. And, and it... As a second chair leader, it's important to understand that if it does not go both ways, you're limiting your own growth. I wouldn't want to be a second chair leader if my first chair leader wasn't willing to take those comments. Well, let's talk about that. So Matt, if I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay, I'm definitely a second chair leader in my organization. Maybe my maybe my leader doesn't realize that, but I see myself in that that arena and I see myself in that chair. Um, if you see yourself in that chair, you're probably a high D or you know super high I, but we'll leave that alone. But let's say I'm listening to this and I think I'm the second chair person. How do I create that relationship with um, my own? or my leader to, um, to create that it trust. It starts with trust, right? So it starts with trust. And so part of trust is being accountable. You know, you as the second chair being accountable, knowing that I have a hard time once my trust is burned, ever getting trust back. And I think that's something that a lot of leaders probably will have, but I think establishing and maintaining trust and knowing that that person's going to do whatever they say they're going to do is super important. But I think it really just comes with rapport. You have to build the rapport up and the trust levels to make sure that you have to have hundred percent confidence that in both directions. So you have to know that the leader's going to trust you in making the decision, but at the same time, the leader has to have the trust of knowing that if I let them take care of this, they're going to do it. And so it just takes, it takes the time. You got to be vulnerable. It's very much so the, uh, for that second chair leader to approach their boss, their leader, their owner, whoever, it has to come out of a place of true vulnerability to say, I believe that this is best for our organization. Yes, it's probably best for me in the long term, but I'm doing this out of a heart of servanthood. And I'm going to come to you and say, you're doing this not as well as somebody else could. And we need to fill that gap. And I have to be willing to accept the consequences of that action, whether that is high five. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you pointing that out. Or high five. Let's find a way. Or high or five you out of here. High five <laughs> on your adventure to your next job. Yeah. If you're if you're coming 
if you're doing that out of a place of being timid, scared, it's going to it's going to it's going to be difficult. Yeah, because at some point, and this is in my opinion, this is just life, right? At some point, you have to say, I'm going to be who I am. Let the chips fall where they may. And for me, that is, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I came, you know, that probably about six Mike years was ago. Day one when he did that, so I don't really know uh, how he built it. And it's but. it's it's out of my own life circumstances and 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 stuff that I made that decision about six years ago. It's like, this is who I am and I'm going to do this and whatever falls out of that is so be it. And it, it, it has, it, it's provided a place of strength for me personally, just to be able to say, I'm not going to be on the reactionary side of, of what somebody else is doing. I'm going to approach this as the hammer, not the nail. And I'm going to try to do that in a way that is effective and, and wise and, and, you know, do it right. But I'm going to make those decisions and I'm going to move forward. And if sometimes that comes out of, you know, if I cross the line or whatever, because of the trust that I've been able to build over the years, Matt's going to come to me and say, Hey, you know what, Mike, that was a little bit too far. We, we don't want to do that. Or, you know, we hold each other accountable. How to do that differently. Yeah. Change is, is difficult. It's hard especially if you're a second chair leader, but even so, if you're a first chair leader, I want to talk about one thing uh, real quick. One of the analogies that I hear a lot of times from uh, other people that I know is that their boss is kind of like a seagull, that they are hands off and, and just flying, doing their own thing. And then something catches their interest and they fly in and they grab the piece of bread and they they poop and they go away. <laughs> and uh, that's a difficult place for a second chair leader that, hey, I'm my resp- let's say I'm responsible for baking cookies and now my boss is coming in and jacket, you know, put more flour. That's a tough place for a leader to be. And there's a lot of leaders out there that, like you mentioned earlier, they see that as I'm coming in to help. It's out of a place of of honesty and and true. I'm servant. I'm, I want to help. But it's sometimes perceived as you're not letting me do my job or you're jacking with the way I do things. You're micromanaging all negative stuff. Most second chair people don't see it the same way that that first chair person does. And this has come up with me a lot in the last, I'd say, two years. My perspective would come when I was coming out of my heart trying to help. In hindsight, when I think about the other person's perspective, I can see how it was a seagull moment, you know, for sure. And even now, you know, what I find myself doing now is not necessarily seagulling in as much as going back to, I don't do this as good a job as somebody else could have done. I get distracted by 10 other things. And so unfortunately it never gets finished. The idea in the front was great and I'm happy to help. But at the same time, it stalls out the finish line and never, it never gets to the finish line. So it's important to know that I have different limitations of the ability to get work done that other people do and to probably let them ask me for questions or help and not try to jump in. As a leader, it's difficult to do that because a lot of times, let's just be honest, we believe that we can do things better than anybody else. Absolutely. I know There's I a can. Sense no, of pride, I'm you know, I can do your job better than you can do your job. I believe, unfortunately, I believe that about everything. Yeah. I know you can do my job better than me. I know it's not I'm true. I'm the opposite. I just think no one can do my job as good as I do my job. And right. so it's like, well, if you're crossing in my territory, I'm like, whoa, back up. That's not <laughs> and how I approach that as, yeah, I could, I could totally kill your job. Your job better than you and my job better than me. And it is. Reba's job better than her. It's all the same. I do. And and it's that's not a healthy, let me be honest, it's not healthy. I know that. But that's like my, the competitive piece of my brain. That's where it goes. As as leaders do, normally out of a place of growth, as they do develop and, and their business grows, there's going to be a point in time where some change has to happen, where they're passing off some responsibilities that they know, they believe in their depths of their soul, that they do this well, they enjoy doing it, but it's time to pass this it off. This is the passing of the stuff that I do well and I enjoy doing. This is not just I do well and I kind of like it or I like it, but I'm not good at it. This is I love it and I'm good at it. Yeah. Those are super, that's a super hard thing to pass off. I 
have had to do that over the years. It is a, it, it is the, that's the hardest thing as a leader to do because it's the stuff I enjoy doing. You know, I enjoy meeting with clients and doing uh, new client implementations. I like hearing their stories. I love the small business story. I also know that that meeting I ran extremely well because I kind of get a good picture of it. But the downside of that was we could only do so many and also my availability becomes limited. And also the after that meeting, I did not do as well as during that meeting. And so we created an implementation team because of that. And that helped us dramatically improve our ability to onboard clients and make them that process smoother. I still love having that conversation with, with owners though. So it becomes a- And you're still very good at that. I am, but I don't <laughs> love the after effect of having to fill all the paperwork. Yep. So Execution. that's just part of the realization of things I did well and didn't do well. And as you find those things in your organization, that you are good at, and this isn't necessarily just first chair leadership, but second chair as well, you're gonna see those things, you're gonna identify, these are things I need to hand off, but it's all with the intention of being able to grow and scale. Uh, because if you're the bottleneck, like you mentioned, you have a, a self-imposed limitation on what your company can yeah, do. Yeah, a lot of other you know, other decisions are obviously like, I'm good at this, but I don't love doing that. Those were easier. Those are very easy decisions to make. Yeah. If I don't love doing it, it was really quickly to get rid of those. But you know, the, the, the I love it, and I'm good at it was a very, very challenging one. Shelby, with your team specifically, we talked a little bit about bringing people on. When it comes time to make a change where you're going to show somebody the door, how do you communicate that? Not to the person that's leaving, but to the team and that's still behind so that they can absorb that change in a healthy way. Yeah, it's, it's challenging because it's scary when you know someone doesn't fit on your team and eventually you know you really the idea i had a good manager um back in retail days where you know she just said it's never my job to fire it's my job to train that person out of this job and so the person that's kind of exiting the door hopefully you don't have to have the hey you're fired because you're not doing your job hopefully they get to a point where they realize you know i've got to make a change because this is not the place for me um, but i do think that there's some team dynamics there of you know you've created relationships with this person you don't wish them any type of ill even if they're not not the right fit for your team. Um, and so I think that just being open and communicating that to your team after the decision has been made is important. And the way that you handle those conversations, if you've not done the hard work of, of getting to know your team and uh, making sure you understand their fears and where they're vulnerable, um, when someone leaves your team, that insecurity of what am I next will rise to the table. And that quickly, you know, that's going to change someone's performance drastically. You know, I felt that when a key member that I loved was let go, it was like, oh my goodness, am I next? You know, and so you never want that kind of fear of, you know, I might get cut or I'm not doing my job. You don't want your team working and performing out of fear. You want them there because they enjoy what they're doing, because they're talented at what they're doing and they, you know, they're creating value for your organization. What I took away that from from your what you're saying though is it really starts with communication. So you have to A communicate with the person who you're maybe counseling out over time so that it doesn't become a surprise. And then after the fact you have to communicate to your team about, hey, this is what was happening. Reassure everybody, you know, Everybody on the team probably realize it too, but you want to make sure you kind of reassure them. And it's it's also hard to do the though. habits of, you know, if you've got some other team members that have bad habits that, you know, this was a, a, a small habit that ultimately led to this person being let go from our team. You know, how do you carefully and, and obviously, you know, with tact, just tell your, you know, your team member, if you continue to persist in this, uh, you're, you're this, headed that way as well. Yeah, this you is know? not the way that we do things here. That's tough. Communication is really at the key of all of this. It starts with a lot. I mean, because the reality is change is inevitable. Every organization is going to go through change at some point, um, whether that's small, big, medium, change is going to happen. 
uh, growth, business units falling off, employees coming on, employees leaving, technology change. I mean, you think about all the possible, I mean, that's what our life is. It's a series of changes that happen over the course of a day. Uh, it's going to happen. How you respond to that is really important, but how you communicate those changes to everybody that's going to be in your under your influence is absolutely critical. That yeah. doesn't start with, you know what, we're going to start a brand new business next month. Therefore, in 29 days, I have to communicate that to my employees. Change, or excuse me, communication has to happen frequently. It has to happen often. It has to happen on a regular basis. I'm using all a bunch same, of redundant words things. to emphasize <laughs> the point. Yeah. You cannot over communicate. Yeah. I don't believe it's possible. Yeah, I agree. And in the repetition, you've said it, you know, the repetition of communication drives all of this. So if you are clear and you're saying it over and over and over again, you know, everybody kind of knows what, what we value here, you know, but also, you know, as you think through change, the overall mindset of the organization has to be willing to, we have to keep it, we have to keep adapting and changing over time. You can't just be trying to say, keep things the same. It just doesn't work that way. Also, methodology is important. I think there's a right way and a wrong way to tell somebody to communicate, you know? So if you have a big thing that's coming into the pipeline, um, you know, think through carefully, like, how is my teammate going to respond if I send this out on an email or a Slack message? Or is this a coffee conversation? Like, is this a lunch conversation? Do I need to take this team or, you know, do I need to take this key member or my team to lunch or to coffee or, you know, eat drinks on a Friday? Yeah. You know, our sales team does that at that's four really o'clock on, yeah. you know, we, we sit down. That's our time to just relax a little bit. We're not in the office. We're off site. And so, you can, you know, there's just a little bit more honesty still there. waiting on my invite to the sales team <laughs> Friday afternoon. You know, that sounds so silly. And, it, you know, that to some people may seem like a waste of time, but it, it's the place where we really get to, like, understand how our team is feeling, how the week went, how it didn't go. And so I think that when we have some big, you know, ideas coming through the pipeline, our place to communicate that is not in an email or Slack. You know, for our team, it's got to be, hey, you know, this is something that we're going to do, kind of prepping everybody. So I think methodology is important, too. Those informal communications really so set a different tone, too. Yeah. It's not, hey, this is what we're doing. This is the direction that we're going in, in like, a dictator type way it's just by its very nature it's more laid back and just like hey, i think, I think a lot out loud this. when i'm drinking so it works out well one well, body language you can see that person's face and it's not like scary you know you, right. you just you lose a little bit i think that i just think that um human communication even in the middle of, of all of this like you know okay yeah you can't get your team to lunch or you can't get your team at your normal cocktail hour well do a zoom meeting with with a cocktail hour where you're talking about those things i just think that um, the way that we communicate is equally as important Absolutely. as what we're saying so if you're a small business owner or leader you have influence inside of your organization and you're out there listening i want you to challenge yourself to think about what changes are going on inside of your organization? Where are you heading? And how has that been communicated to your people? Uh, is that something that you're waiting to communicate? Is that something that you're going to get ahead of? Because the reality is, if you're not communicating on an ongoing basis to your team, they're going to make up their own facts about where you're at and where you're heading. And so over communicate, even to the point where it feels super redundant, like you're using the same words over and over and over again, because at that point in time, they're going to get an insight into who you are as a leader and where you're taking this, your, your, your organization, your company in the future. And so if you have
have any questions or, or feedback for us about, you know, change? Did we miss something? Did we get something wrong? Do you have questions about things that we've talked about? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at works.com or you can give us a call at 901-752-2422. We would love to, to help you uh, navigate change inside of your organization. Thanks and have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in. Head over to works.com for webinars, blogs, and more content. That's works, W-H-I-R-K-S.com. See you next time.